welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Let's turn in your, our Bibles to um, Hebrews chapter, actually go to Luke chapter 2, and then we'll start there. Luke chapter 2, and we'll pray. Father, as we get more into your word right now, we're asking for illumination. Open our eyes, show us things that we need to see. Help us to hear what we need to hear. You know what we've been through, you know where we're at, and you know what's around the corner. Equip us, Lord. Strengthen us with your word. Manifest your goodness. Help us to see the things that we need to see for the next step of our life, our family, our ministry, our business. Show us things, Father. We're in church today, Lord, not waiting to see what happens. We're here expecting great things to happen. Just like you said, help comes from the sanctuary. Thank you, Lord. It's happening. We receive your help today, and we'll be doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. So are you there in Luke chapter 2? We've been talking about understanding the local church. I don't think people have a clear biblical view of the local church. Everybody, some do, but a lot of people don't have a clear view of what the local church is and what a Christian's part should be in the local church. I think the local church has gotten a little too commercialized. I think the local church is sometimes too much like a movie theater where we go get entertained. I think the local church has been kind of optional for some people because, you know, hey, I'm, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. But should, should there be a place in our Christian walk for the local church? Should there be something in our hearts about the church as New Testament Christians, and absolutely there is. I actually said something last week I thought was really profound. The Lord helped us to help me to say it, of course. And that was, we're not just born again so we can go to heaven when we die. We're, bo- we're not just born again so we can have something. We're born again so we can do something in his kingdom right now, in his church right now. And so don't think that being born again is just about getting a ticket to heaven. Being born again is about entering into something immediately in God's church, in God's house, in God's family. And uh, we need to find out what that's all about as well. So in Luke chapter 2, in verse 45, I thought this was interesting what the Lord called going to church and being involved in the church. Jesus is 12 years old. He had, he had decided to stay behind when his family left town. And three days later, the family realized, Jesus is not here. Where's our son? Where's our son? And in verse 44, supposing they had, he had been in the company, they went a day's journey, uh, a day's journey, I'm sorry, and they sought him among their kinfolks and acquaintances. And when they found Jesus not, they turned back again to Jerusalem looking for him. It came to pass after three days they found him in the temple, or we could say in church, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. He's 12 years old. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why have you dealt with us such? Behold, your father and I have sought you sorrowing. He said to them, How is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not that saying which he spoke, and a lot of people don't understand it either today, unto them. They didn't understand that the father's business was 
doing what Jesus was doing at 12 years old. There's a lot of people today don't understand that. Joseph and Mary didn't understand that. They, they, you're in the temple. You're, you're, you're sitting there having conversations about the Bible and the Old Testament. And, and, and they didn't understand it when he said, well, I'm doing the Father's business. They didn't understand that. A lot of people today don't understand that going to church, being involved, is the Father's business. I said a lot of people today don't understand that it's the Father's business, what we're doing right now. And you know, since the Lord's not making you do it, it's very honorable that you did it anyway. Honor is seen when you do things you don't have to do. That's one way honor is seen when you do things you don't have to do. You're doing something right now you don't have to do. The Lord's not going to make you do it. But you're doing it. Guess what? You're doing something honorable today. You know, it's an honorable thing when you get up in the morning. Make the effort. Comb your hair, right? Ladies, do whatever you do in the restroom, you know? <laughs> Foundation and eyeliner and makeup and all this stuff. And I mean, and you're doing, why are you doing all that? Why are you putting the effort forth? Because there's something important to you that you're, that you're about to, you know, head toward. King David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. And so you have to realize that today you're not just doing something in man's eyes. You're doing something in the Lord's eyes. You're honoring him. You're putting him first. I know a lot of people think Sunday's the weekend, but that's a lie. It's the first day of the week, guys. If you want to rest, you rest on Saturday. No, that's today I got to mow my lawn and do all my house. And you should do that on Sunday. This is a work day. Are you listening? I said, this is a work day. And you started off by putting God first. Now your whole week is blessed. Because with the first fruits be holy, the lump is also now holy. This is work day. This is not go fishing day. This is not sit around and watch football all day day. This is work day. Uh, it's not 5-2, it's 6-1. Well, no, but I, I, I got work 5 and rest 2. No, it's 6-1. You work 6, rest 1. Now, I could get legalistic about this, but that's the way God designed it because it's the best thing for you. Two's too much, none's not enough when it comes to days of rest. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Not that there's not sabbaticals and you take time. I'm, but some people think, well, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't go to church. That's, I got to work on, I, I got I to gotta, I rest on Sunday because I, I worked on Saturday. You should probably rest on Saturday and get back to work on Sunday. This is a revelation to me. I looked at the calendar one time. I thought, wait a second. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday is not the weekend. It's the beginning of a new week. Anyway. I'm sure that saved your life. <laughs> um, but now, now listen, listen closely. Listen closely. Jesus said, being in church, hearing the word, you know, working in the church, teaching kids, speaking the word, it's the Father's business. And that's something I think we need to realize because of the temptations and forces and powers and legitimate excuses and, and feelings of okay that come against you saying church is not that big a deal. You need to come back to this. Wait a second. It may not be a big deal to me, but it is the Father's business and it's a big deal to him. 
So whether you realize or not, what you're doing right now is the Father's business and it's helping you more than your brain realizes. You're not going to see the full benefits of being a part of your local church until a test comes your way five weeks from now and you've been hearing what you're supposed to be hearing for five weeks. You've been developing properly. Thoughts have been tweaked. Attitudes have been adjusted. And then when that test comes, it's no longer, ah, it's snow. You've been trained well. I was um, two, two nights now in the last couple of weeks, I've had interesting dreams. And I don't, I'm not saying they're from the Lord, but I can see some truth in them. And, and in both of these dreams, you guys don't hear about my two dreams? <laughs> uh, I had two dreams, and both these dreams were where some kind of a major, major tsunami that was just causing mountains to melt into valleys and people just getting overtaken with trees and rocks and just pff, gone. Major, and that scripture I thought was Isaiah 59, 19, which says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. Standards. How many know there's standards we can live by that will actually keep the devil and his junk and destruction out of our lives? Well, this, these tsunamis were coming towards us, and I knew we can't outrun this thing. I was with my family. I said, we can't outrun this. So I just had to stop and look at these rocks and trees coming at me 100,000 miles an hour. The whole mountain was just coming towards us. It was just like some weird tsunami or some meteorite or something just, and all this stuff just started coming toward it. And I just said, well, we can't outrun it. And in my dream, I looked at the rocks and the trees, and I said, in Jesus' name, No! And then I kind of went like this. <laughs> and the Lord said, it's okay, you're still growing. And it stopped. It froze. It went around us. But then I looked and some more was coming. I thought, man, I hear the Spirit of God saying, His people are being trained right now to get to higher ground in local churches that are not, you know, entertaining only, but churches that are really not afraid to say things that for fear people might leave, you know, people that you know, where the real, the, the solid word, the meat's coming forth. He said, if people in those churches stay faithful and remain faithful, they'll be well equipped for these end times, but others will not make it through the end times in victory. They won't make it through in victory. It's very important right now to not fall behind in what you're supposed to be hearing. The most powerful thing about being a part of a local church, you know, not just a visitor, but planted in the house of God, the most important thing is what's developed in you over time. So the next time the devil attacks you, you're well able to stop him. You're not, we're not going to be equipped if we're hearing only what we want to hear. We can, we'll be entertained if we're hearing only what we want to hear, but that doesn't help when you get a bad doctor's report. Equipping will help you. And a lot of times equipping is not what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. You've got to watch out about just eating sugar only spiritually. Um, I'm a pastor, and I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need you to believe that, but I, I accepted my call as a pastor 30-some years ago, 34 years ago, and... Um, there's something on my life that really is really good for the people that come to this church. You may not need me, but you need what's on my life. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if the devil can get you offended at me, you cut yourself from what's on my life as well. And the devil knows you can't receive from a minister or a ministry you're offended at. So he will try to get you offended. He will try to get you upset. He'll try to get you critical in the gossip. Anything but receiving from that person God put in your life to help you overcome, be protected, get free, get healed, get delivered. And this is a very important thing. I thought it was interesting how they were offended at the perfect one. Jesus. And it said they were offended at him. And he could do no mighty work for them because they were offended at him. Let me, let me say this. They knew him too well naturally. And it said, this is the carpenter. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. Blah, 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 blah. And it said they were offended at him. And it also said the Lord could do no mighty work for them because of their offense and dishonor. And all these things go together. Offense, dishonor, unbelief. And uh, I just want to say to the church here, uh, because I know a lot of people have certain thoughts and desires, and they're fine, and they're right, and all that, but... Um, you may not want to get to know me too well, naturally. Oh, I want to just hang out with Pastor. That'd be awesome. We just hang out and do all these things. No, you probably don't want to do that. You want to know why? Because I'm not the perfect one. And if they got offended at the perfect one, oh my gosh. <laughs> you may not want to know me really well. <laughs> and my wife's going, amen, preach it. <laughs> Seriously, you, you made a, a prophet, and I'm not saying I'm a prophet. The, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, among his own family, and in his own house. I, I hope my family gets this too, because... I may be dad, I may be papa, I may be brother, right? But Jesus said, you have to be doubly on guard for offense when you know, or when you're a family member of the pastor or the minister or whoever. It's, it's amazing to me that even Jesus' own brothers and sisters really didn't follow him that much and his mom for a while. And it's really interesting. How, the, how that works. You get to know somebody too well after the natural, it's hard to receive when they're anointed. Who do they think they are? Standing up there preaching what they're preaching. They've messed up. I know they have. They've fallen. They've done this. They've done that. Oh. Yeah, and you can cut yourself off from a blessing on their life to help you. If, that, if the devil can get you offended at the person that's supposed to help you, he can cut you off from the help that God put in that person's life to help you with. It's just, just the way it rolls. Could you please turn to Psalm 92? I thought that today, um, after a little bit more review here, just, just for a few minutes, I wanted to talk to you about how to get the most out of a church service. Because a lot of people come to church Healing's waiting for him. Miracles are waiting for him. Help is waiting for him. Corrections waiting for him. Life saving. Corrections waiting for him. But they leave with none of it. Power was there, but they leave with no help. 
So I got to thinking, we can't just talk about going to church. <laughs> we got to talk about how to get the most out of church when we do go. Anybody interested in getting out of church what you need today? Then yes. you can't just gather. Gathering is okay, but assembling is life-saving. Hooking up. I like to use this analogy. Let's say you need some electricity and you walk into our church and you sit here and there's power in the walls just ready to fix that problem in your life and give you that electricity. You could walk in, stay for two hours, leave, never plug in, never get any power. And all along the power was there. All you had to do was walk over to an outlet and plug in. Let's say, you're like, let's say your phone was dead, right? You come with a dead phone, power everywhere to charge up your phone, cords everywhere. Usher saying, we have a charging station right here. And, and you just kind of sit there and, yeah, okay. I just don't want to get involved. You know, I don't want to plug in. don't want to hook up. You leave with a dead phone. But you didn't have to leave with a dead phone. You could have plugged in an outlet. Well, spiritually speaking, it's the same way. There's healing power in church today. Miracle power in church today. Life-saving correction power in church today. And there's also opposition to you being in church. But if the devil can't keep you from being in church... He'll try to keep church from being in you. You know, the power, the healing, the miracle, the deliverance. And I figured if people could receive zero in Jesus' church meetings, then people can receive zero in modern-day church meetings as well. And we don't want to receive zero. We want to receive everything the Lord has for us. Psalm 92. And just uh, Psalm 92 is right after Psalm 91. Most of us have Psalm 91 marked. All right, so Psalm 92. Let's look here at verse 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Stop. Interesting to me that what happens in church affects what happens outside of church. Those that be planted in shall be flourished out there. And I think the word planted needs to be emphasized. What does that mean? That means you've got some roots you've gotten involved there's interaction going on you've realized this is a place I feel sorry for church floaters they never stay long enough anywhere to root and they never get the nourishment that the local church has for them because they never have any roots anywhere and they never understand they never grow How I many you know growing up is a scriptural, biblical thing that the Father really wants for all of his kids? It's sad to see people who don't grow. And one way to not grow is don't be planted. So it says, They that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish outside the house of the Lord in the courts of our God. Next verse. They that are planted will still bring forth fruit in old age. Number one, you're going to make it to an old age. <laughs> you're not going to die young. What? What? Hey, it says you'll get old if you go to church. It says you'll live a long time. Anybody interested in living a long time? I mean, it, it's, 
I know a lot of people don't want to live a long time because they're not living. They're existing. They're enduring. They're, they're not living. But you get saved. You need to start living. Can't wait to get out of bed. Vacations are only a necessity now. It's like, going to get back to what God wants me to do. They'll still bring forth fruit in old age. What does that mean? <laughs> it means you're still working for the Lord. You're still seeing blessings. You're still thriving. And they shall be fat and flourishing. So let me read you this out of the contemporary English version, the CEV. I don't know if they have it back there on the screen, but I'll tell it to you. Psalm 92, verse 13 and 14 out of the contemporary English version says, They will take root in your house, Lord God, and they will do well. They will be like trees that stay healthy and fruitful even when they're old. Anybody interested in health? Fruitful? Well, it has something to do with being planted in the house of the Lord. And, you know, this is hard for some people to understand. I mean, we grow up in a society where they're saying, do anything you want to do, you know, do what you want to do. If it feels good, do it, all this stuff. But we got to realize, just because these are old scriptures doesn't mean they're, you know, old-fashioned. <laughs> this, is, this is how you live in victory. Some people are not going to get their problems fixed by praying and praying and praying anymore. They're going to have to start doing what the Lord told them to do. Being planted in the house of the Lord is the answer to a lot of people's reasons why they're depressed, why they're not flourishing, why they're struggling with situations in their, in their, in their physical life. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but again, if you really want to grow and be equipped, you've got to hear things you don't want to hear. I really believe one main answer to a lot of people's problems, Christians' problems, is go to church. Don't think you, don't think, here's the thing. It's like, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that says, and this is, I'm not saying this is necessarily evil or whatever, but there's a principle that says, quote, scripture, ready? Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts and the sons of men are set to do evil. Things don't happen quick. Catastrophes don't happen quick. Great success doesn't happen quick. It's little things, little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like a vagabond and your want as an armed man. Solomon says, be on guard for the little foxes. Come on, guys, the devil knows. If, if, if he comes in too quick, you'll resist it. Oh, this is something I believe the Lord wanted me to say to you as well as the church. You ready? Some people desperately need to hear what's being said on Wednesday nights. There, there's serious things coming your way that you need to hear some of the things that are being said on Wednesday night or you'll be deceived. You'll, be, you'll find yourself falling into some things you, you, you wish you hadn't fallen into. I, I needed to say that. Um, basically what we're talking about on Wednesday night is the devil is beautiful. He's smart. We have scriptures for all this. He's bright. Transforms himself into an angel of light. He's, uh, one scripture says he's fabulous, he's fascinating, he's beautiful, he's bright, and he is an expert at making the demonic look godly. 
He knows you won't fall for the demonic. Duh. Everybody's waiting for this monster, this dragon, this serpent. Those are just words describing his personality. He is so beautiful. He got so looking at his own beauty. He got lifted up in pride and said, I'm more beautiful than God. We're talking about a very smart, beautiful, fascinating, bright being who's constantly getting people on the wrong road because he's making it feel like the wrong road is the right road. And the only way you'll not be deceived if you're in this book here and you know enough scriptures to know when he's coming at you. Did you know the devil even back off from uh, attacking you at times when he sees you're starting to veer off of God's plan for your life because he wants you to feel like it's God's will. He's not stupid. Now he's ultimately stupid. <laughs> for rebelling against God, but he's not stupid in the affairs of man and how to deceive and trick. You read to the, you know, Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. That doesn't mean he looks like a lion. And calling the devil the dragon or the old serpent doesn't mean he looks like a dragon or a serpent. That's his personality. He is cunning, beautiful, smart, fascinating, fabulous, angel of light. And if you don't know the scriptures and you don't know certain things about how he operates, you will go down a wrong road. Thinking it's the right road the whole time. Preaching it's the right road the whole time. Trying to convince everybody else it's the right road the whole time. I mean, did you ever ask yourself the question, how can a Christian who knows certain scriptures choose not to do them? Something is convincing them that it's not really that way. It's not that big a deal. It's, I have a higher revelation. <laughs> I mean, how can you see a scripture as a believer and go, yeah, my father said that. The one who died and shed his blood for me said that, but I'm not going to do it. I believe I have a higher revelation. That's the letter of the law. <laughs> oh my goodness. You have, to, you have to acknowledge the fact that, you know what? I need to be resisting something I thought was God. I need to be resisting something feels, that feels bright. I need to be resisting something that seems right. Nobody went down a wrong road that felt like a wrong road. Everybody say, the devil, the devil is beautiful. beautiful. You need to know these things because you need to know what to resist. Don't wait for a monster to resist. He's not a monster. He's not the boogeyman. He's a very, very beautiful being. Sometimes the wrong road feels right and it seems bright. And it's demonic because it's out of line with this right here. Well, that was fun. <laughs> The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. No wonder there's powers that don't want you in the church. Well, I don't think being in church on a regular basis is a big deal. Wait till the next crisis comes your way. Jesus is quoted as saying, My love, Father, for your house burns in me like a fire. Notice he didn't say my love for you, Father. He said my love for your house. It's visible, it's tangible, and how I deal with your things in the earth. My love for your house, Father, burns in me like a fire. That's Psalm 69, 9. 
Some people don't go to church because they don't want anybody having the rule over them and they don't want to submit to spiritual authority. If all we needed was the Bible, then why did Jesus give pastors and teachers? Don't get me wrong. You better know this book and check out your preachers with this book. But if this is all we needed, why give pastors? Why give teachers? Why, why talk about the church? Why talk about assembling? Revelation chapters 1 through 3 tells us we cannot hear from God fully without being part of the local church he's called us to. If we're followers of Jesus, we'll be in church at least once a week. Um, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that God gave pastors, plural, to the church, which means Jesus wants local churches with a pastoral overseeing, not just a Bible study. Nothing wrong with Bible studies. Hopefully it's under the guise of a, of a local church, though, or it will get off, I promise you. You know, a lot of people are doing good things, but it's actually rebellion against the other things the Lord had them do, what they chose not to do. You can't cover up rebellion with good works. You can't say, I'm going to be with him. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to start this over here. I'm going to do this. Oh, look at they're helping people. In rebellion, they're helping people. I thought it was interesting in Matthew 7 where Jesus said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not done many wonderful works in your name? And Jesus said, Get away from me. I never knew you. Just before that, he said, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Anybody's talking about there? He's not talking about just prophesying anywhere you want to prophesy and doing anything, starting up your own ministry. He's talking about doing what the Father told you. It's not serve the Lord. It's it said David served his generation by the will of God. Paul said, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. How else is it? Anything else is disobedience. Lord, I was an apostle in your name. No, you made yourself an apostle. Lord, I cast out devils. You did your own thing. You, you can't cover up rebellion with good works. All right, so let's get into this before our time's away. Um, man, I've got all these cool things here. One time there was a woman who had a daughter who was harassed of a demon spirit. And she couldn't get any, anywhere in getting her free, and so she decides to go to church. And while she was at church, the daughter got healed. Matthew 15. While she went to church, her daughter at home got set free from the demon. See, your children need you going to church. Your problems at your household need you going to church. It's called faith. It's like, God... I'm leaving this here. I can't take care of it anymore. I'm going to church. I'm going to hear from you. I'm going to worship you. And while I'm doing what you told me to do, you're going to do what I can't do. So Hannah was in church one day. Well, that's a whole other story. Um, David said in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Um, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. And we'll go ahead and hit this. Okay, yes. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. So we're talking about understanding the local church. Why are we here today? Why, are we gonna, why should we want to be here next week? Well, number one, it's the Father's business. 
And, you know, it said, Jesus said, Father, my love for your house burns in me like a fire. How many think we should love what he loves? I say, Pastor, um, I don't like what you're preaching. I hate this church, and I'll never come back. Fine, but you better get plugged in somewhere. Because yeah. it still applies to you. Yeah. You, you, you still got to realize the Lord never created this. He, he never, it's, it's, it's not going to work to be a successful Christian and at the same time, be a lone ranger Christian. It's called a stray sheep. Wolves find stray sheep. You'll get to see before you know it. Think you're the highest spiritual person on the totem pole. You just get messed up when you decide. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Hebrews 10, look at verse 25. Let's read a couple verses here. Hebrews 10, 25. Who's talking here? Uh, a guy named God. You ever heard of him? <laughs> anyway, God's, God's talking here. Not forsaking the assembling, not just gathering, the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. They even had this problem back then. People were starting to not go to church anymore. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I know somebody could go, well, that's not talking about church. We can assemble at my house. We can, we can, we can assemble at my house. And Well, then why did the Lord get pastors? And why did he talk about local sheepfolds? And why did he say God is set in the church? Why did it say they were in the church that was Antioch? Uh, or they were, how, to be, how to behave yourself in the house of God? Yes, you are, but you also need to be in. Right. Prophets were, teachers were, all, uh, uh, all through the Bible. People, David loved it. <laughs> he says, don't forsake the assembling See, that's more than just gathering for a Bible study. I, I love Bible studies. We should have more of them, but it can't take the place of this. Not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And I was reading that, and I was thinking, now wait a second. So, so really, what's the problem? I mean, who said this? See, this is coming back to that, you know, the devil is beautiful teaching. It's like, you see the scripture in the Bible, and you go, yeah, okay, that's God speaking to me. But I'm not going to do it. What's going on? Demons. <laughs> lies. Crafty. Subtle. Lies. To me, the issue is not somebody not going to church. The issue to me is not a Christian not going to church. The issue is what got into their heart that causes them to think it's okay not to go to church. That's an issue. Not not going to church. That's not the issue. So you miss once in a while, but as long as your heart knows, this is God, and I, I'm not bumping this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to you know, make sure that if I can't be there, I can't be there. The issue to me is not somebody who knows the Scripture not going to church. The issue is what's entered into their heart to where they don't want to do what their father wants them to do anymore. That's the issue. The Lord never wanted anything to be bondage. And if it's bondage, the answer is not stop going. The answer is pray and get a heart changed till it's not bondage again. Hmm? This is important. The Bible says, okay, you guys, the Bible says, this talking about those storms, those, those dreams I had. The Bible said in the last days, some are going to depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. 
having their conscience seared with the hot iron, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and all this. And I thought, okay, in the last, it said the Spirit of God speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. And I thought, what does it mean to depart from the faith? Then a scripture came to me in Galatians where it said, do good unto all men. Galatians 6, do good unto all men, but especially to those of the household of faith. What, what, what's leaving church? It's leaving faith. It's leaving the faith, the household of faith. It's departing from the faith. Serious stuff. You know me, I, I've been preaching for 34 years and I have never wanted to preach anybody into bondage. I don't want to preach any doom and gloom, no hellfire and brimstone, I guess unless the Lord told me to. Ah! Right? <laughs> but there's always hope. But I am concerned. You see, I want you equipped now so when offense does come, you don't take it. Friend, Jesus said it's impossible but that offenses shall come. But he did not say it's impossible to keep from being offended. It's impossible. And, and I think we should teach on this more because if Jesus said something's impossible, it's impossible. Because he also said all things are possible. And if he says something's impossible, friend, it's impossible. <laughs> it is impossible. Offenses are going to come to you. But it's not impossible to refuse to be offended when they do come against you. Here's a great scripture, Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Jesus said, Satan, you're an offense to me. Get behind me. He didn't say he was offended. He said, you are an offense to me. He said, you need to get out of my sight, because if I keep looking at you, I'm going to be offended. There's some people you need to quit looking at and hanging around. They need to be out of your sight because you will, offense will get on you. Their offense will get in you and get on you if you do not put them out of your sight. It's contagious. Offense is a contagious disease. It is highly contagious. You get close to, you talk about wearing masks. You better wear four masks in this area of being offensive. You might want to get a respirator. Are you listening to me? Offense is deadly. It kills dreams. It kills families. It kills ministries. It kills rewards. It's deadly. He wants me offended at you, and he wants you offended at me. He wants you offended at each other. Number one, it creates an atmosphere where God can't work with power. Number two, it cuts you off from receiving the help you need from the ministry that you're offended at. It's impossible, but that offenses will come. But it's not impossible to keep them from getting a hold of you. You need to recognize, I, we need to talk more about this because I'd rather talk about offense before people are offended than after they're offended. <laughs> are you listening to me? Now, you, you got to watch out about this. You got to watch out about this. You got to watch out about people going, well, I'm not offended, but you just told us you're offended. So you might as well just be honest about it. It's like people saying, well, I'm not judging, but... Well, uh, you're, you're judging. <laughs> it's already on your heart and mind. You know you are. Well, I'm not judging, but you know, I think these people, blah, 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 and I think this, and I don't like... You're judging, and, and if you judge, Jesus said you'll be judged. You're going to have the same opportunity to go through what they went through. 
We'll see how well you do. The Lord told me to have one month a year that we all focus on love. We all get Brother Hagen's book, Love the Way to Victory. We all read it for those four weeks. We have teachings on love, the children, uh, children's, the youth group teaches on love. He said, we'll do that one month a, a year, every year as a tradition in Faith Heights Church. Study love, focus love for four weeks. Read that book every year over and over again. Read it, read it. Love the Way to Victory. Read it, read it, read it. He said, your church will be, will be so full. There won't be any sick people. There won't be any defeated people. Probably my favorite book right now that I'm referring to people if they need healing is Love, the Way to Victory by Kenneth Hagin. Um, so, did I already say that the issue is not some Christians not going to church? The issue is what entered into their heart to where they, they, they see that scripture and go, ah. That to me is the biggest concern. What happened to your want to do what your father told you to do? Okay, now, I, I thought this was a little heavy, and I'm, I'm going to close with this, but I want you to see the following verses after verse 25. You all okay with that? I mean, they're in the Bible. You're going to read them anyway. You might as well read them in church where there's a pastor to help you understand them, right? So read verse 25 again, then we're going to go to the next couple of verses. So our loving Father said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, why in the world is he going to the next thing? Next verse. What's the next verse? Not even new chapter. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Keep going. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Keep going. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Keep going. Of how much sore punishment suppose you shall he be thought worthy, who has trodden underfoot the Son of God, has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. One more scripture. Okay, that's all. Um, you can take the, that off the screen. So to me, it was very interesting why he would start talking about all that heavy stuff right after not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. You're not just getting away from a club when you get away from your church. And for, please, let me just say this. In my mind, my heart, I'm going to love you whether you come to church or don't come to church. I'm going to pray for you whether you come or don't come. If you've ever been a part of this church, you're my prayers until I see Jesus face to face, whether you go here or there or do whatever. I don't, we, we don't, God doesn't want anybody feeling bad, condemned. And, now, your own heart might condemn you if you hear some of these things, especially you hear this sermon today. But that's not God condemning you. That's just your own righteous heart knowing, yeah, this is right and I don't like it. <laughs> Are you following? But I'm telling you this because in the last days, the Spirit speaks expressly. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, etc., etc. The Bible says in the book of Thessalonians, I think in 2 Thessalonians, that except that they come, there will be a falling away first. And then the man of sin will be revealed, whom the Lord shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. There's like this departure from the faith, pressure in the end times like never before. And I said, Lord, what can we do to combat that? Preach it! Throw the covers off. Don't worry about reaction. Tell the people. Equip them. Slap them spiritually if you have to. Anything but departing from the faith. 
Turn to your neighbor and slap him. No, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> That's awful. So here's what I wrote about, about that, that we just read there. What does backing off... Now, I know you're probably thinking, pastor's going to say, okay, so what does backing off from going to church lead to? No. Put verse 25 up there. What does backing off from this verse lead to? Let's just make it about the word. Let's not make it about what pastor thinks or what pastor wants. Pastor's a pastor. What, what, what does this, what does forsaking the assembling of ourselves together lead to? What can it lead to? Willfully sinning. Willfully doing something you know you're not supposed to do. Does God want to be bondage? No. Will he love you if you don't go to church? Uh, duh, of course. Is he going to clobber you if you don't go to church? No. But what could it lead to in your heart? If you're willfully going to disobey this scripture, what's another scripture going to hurt? Hey, I'm already willfully disobeying this. I guess I'll willfully disobey another one. And maybe I'll disobey another one. 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 And maybe, maybe, maybe I just don't want Jesus anymore. It's happened. If you've been in this church long enough, you know it's happened. I've read testimony. It's happened. There is a perdition prevention. Because the last part of this chapter says, we are not of them that draw back unto perdition. And it connects it all with these verses here. But we are them which believe to the saving of the soul. Will going to church get you to heaven? No. Sitting near a garage won't make you a car, right? No. You, you don't. But, but li listen closely. Listen closely. Going to church will help you not drift. Keep you anchored. You'll hear amazing sermons by your pastor and others at times that they didn't come up with it. And must be God. They're not that smart. You got energized. You got helped. You got blessed. You got strengthened supernaturally to a pastor. I don't like you. Why am I not like you either? But I need what God's got in your life. And you need what God's got in my life. We don't have to like each other. We're grown-ups here. Whoever said we had to like each other. We have to love each other. We don't have to like each other. Now that'll set you free right there. <laughs> I just don't like them. Good, as long as you don't hate them. Because if you hate them, you're a murderer. No murderer has eternal life abiding in them. <laughs> really what we're saying a lot of times is, I, I don't like the way you are or the things you do, but as far as them, you love them. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 